Uh, good morning. As Chris said, I'm an elder. My name is Thad Chambers, and I'm a lay elder here at Coverville Bible Church. And as always, it's my pleasure and privilege to be before you, uh, bringing to you the Word of God and what God has put on my heart. Uh, I was sharing with Ty this morning that uh, you guys are just an audience of what God burdens me with. So I uh, hope you get something out of this. Uh, God's Word always is profitable. As we get started, I wanted to read something that could be straight out of a modern day today's Christian journal, uh, what might be written. So I'm going to read this and you can follow along on the screens. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. When do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists, contention arises, therefore the law is ignored, and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, for the truth of your word. Father, for your word to know that we are not alone in our struggle, Uh, Father, that uh, We fight against sin in this world. Uh, Father, that we look to you for answers, for help, for guidance, and, uh, Father, for for, uh, salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, through these words, we just uh, can relate. And, uh, uh, Father, I just pray that you would uh, give us comfort knowing that we are not alone. Father, that throughout time that uh, man has cried out to you for uh, help, uh, for guidance, and, uh, Father, for, for your salvation. And I just pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Obviously, this is Scripture, but I would venture to say that very few of you, if any of you could tell me where this is or when it was written. There's probably a couple of you. But just to put it in perspective, this is from Habakkuk and was written in the mid to late 7th century B.C. My point is, is there's nothing new under the sun for the struggle of man and sin in the world. That even in the 7th century B.C., God's people cried out to him and relied on him and asked and was discouraged with the sin and injustice in the world. We should put our trust in him and not in the world or the things going on in the world. We need to be content in Christ. We need to be filled with Christ. We need to be satisfied in Christ. And we do this by the study of His Word in prayer and fellowship. My hope in prayer today is to point point out how God has given us everything. Everything for a reason, even the COVID. And no matter the circumstances, there's always something to praise Him about. I want to be encouraging today to look at the good in all that is going on around us and what we need to be thankful for. Even in these times, we should be content I I also want to put this in perspective. I recently read something on Wastebook, and it was actually an encouragement. And it had, right? It had a list of things that has happened since since 1900. And it was very interesting, and um, I thought it was helpful in keeping the COVID in perspective, uh, along with the current state of affairs in our country and across the world, just, just what has happened since 1900. But we have an example within our midst that I thought would make this a little more personal 
and more relatable. I have the privilege of being a friend and a brother in Christ with Mitch Boyce. I don't know what camera's on, but hey, Mitch, I know you're watching at a minimum. You're listening, and brother, we wish you could be here with us. I know you wish you could be here. I asked him if I could use him as an example today to help put things in perspective and bring this a little closer to home. For those of you that do not know Mitch, when he is able to attend, he sits right back there by Shorty. I strongly encourage you to get to know him. His testimony of Christ in his life, along with his lovely wife and his many adventures, is fascinating. God has truly blessed this brother with a full life. Mitch is 94, which means he was born in 1926. Now, that's a long time ago, and a lot has happened. Here are a few highlights and lowlights of the 94 years of history that has transpired in this dear brother's life. At the age of three, in 1929, the stock market crashes and the Great Depression is set in motion. World population, two billion. In 1933, Adolf Hitler becomes Chancellor of Germany. 1935, the enactment of the Nuremberg Racial Laws, which was the beginning of the anti-Semitic laws and enactment in Germany. 1936, saw the Great Purge by Stalin which was the beginning of genocide of ethnic minorities. 1937, Japan invades China. World War II begins in the Far East. 1939, Germany invades Poland, starts World War II in Europe. 1941, Operation Reinhardt commences the main phase of the Holocaust. Also in 1941, Pearl Harbor was attacked. The U.S. officially joins World War II. And by the way, Mitch served in World War II. Thank you, brother. 1944 D-Day, 1945 U.S. drops two atomic bombs on Japan and World War II has ended. 1950, the Korean War begins. 1959, the Vietnam War begins. World population, three billion. 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis. A lot of us can remember that one. I mean, I can't, but. In 1963, JFK, President of the United States, was assassinated. 1968, and this one's pretty familiar, protest erupts in the U.S. over the war and police and government. 1970, Kent State, protesters are killed. In 1973, one of the greatest tragedies in U.S. history, the Supreme Court of the United States decides Roe versus Wade, and we start murdering babies. 1975, the Vietnam War ends. 1981, the AIDS epidemic. 1987, another stock market crash. 1992, Los Angeles riots sparked by police, the beating of Rodney King, another very familiar sight. 1993, the first bombing of the World Trade Center. 1995, remember this American terrorist, Timothy McVeigh, bombs the Alfred P. Murr building in Oklahoma City. 1999, Columbine High School massacre in Colorado and world population reaches 6 billion. And in 2001, on September the 11th, Al-Qaeda terrorists crashed planes into the Twin Towers in New York, the Pentagon in Washington, and another plane is down near Stony Creek Township, Pennsylvania. Nearly 3,000 people die. Also, the United States invades Afghanistan and topples the Taliban. 
2003, United States invades Iraq, topples Saddam, and starts an eight-year war and world protest. 2008, stock markets plunge around the world, signaling the start of the Great Recession. 2009, the swine flu pandemic began in North America. 11, a 9.0 earthquake in Japan triggers a tsunami that creates a meltdown of a nuclear power plant and thousands die. Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting in 2012. In 2015, another tragedy. The Supreme Court of the United States determines that same-sex couples have a constitutional right to be married. 2016, an outbreak of the Zika virus. 2018, the first monkeys are cloned and the first genetically modified humans reported in China. And of course, 2019 and 2020, the coronavirus pandemic begins in Wuhan, China. And that brings us to today. World population, 7.6 billion. So a lot can happen in the span of one lifetime, and Mitch ain't done yet. And through all of this, nothing has wavered Mitch's faith. Nothing could because Mitch believes in John 10, 27 through 29. And it says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So no matter what is going on in the world, we are secure as His children, as those whom Christ has called. I bring all of this up because we as mankind tend to worry about what has happened, what is happening, and what might happen. We find ourselves slipping into worry and strife and focusing on the problems of the world instead of the glory of the one whom nothing escapes, of which nothing happens outside of his sovereignty. Our Lord and Savior is in control. Amen? And thank God. So what does any of this have to do with my sermon title, Are You Content? Well, I I believe it does a lot. We've all been impacted by the COVID, among many other trials and accomplishments in our lifetime. may not be 94 years, but it is what our lifetime is. First and foremost, from the COVID, we have not been able to gather and worship and love each other and lift each other up in prayer and song and fellowship. Some of us have been hit hard financially, and some of us have had very little impact financially, but it has affected all of us. But in all of this, how have you found yourself? Are you grumbling? Is there strife in your home? Are you feeling some self-pity? Placing blame for your situation? Being generally in a bad mood, discontented? My point today is to point out how God has given us everything, including 2020, for a reason, as well as everything else in the list that I just read. So how do we handle it as believers? How should we handle it, and what should be our response? The scripture that I'll be focusing on today is in Philippians, and I believe it is a great example for us to follow both when we find ourselves in trial like we are now, Or experiencing abundance. 
Paul is writing a letter to the Philippian church to show his appreciation and love to the Philippians and a thank you letter for their continued help and support and also to encourage their growth as believers. I will be focusing on Philippians 4, 10 through 13. If you want to turn there and follow along. I'm sure for many of you, these are very familiar scriptures. Personally, it is my go-to verses. God has blessed me in more ways than I can ever acknowledge. Isn't it funny how sometimes when you look back is when it hits you that what God brought you to and through is exactly what you needed at the time it was happening. But at that time, you would have given anything to be out of it and not be going through it. From a financial standpoint, he has uh, let me go broke more than once, but never spiritually. Some of us are just slow learners on the financial side. But never spiritually was I ever abandoned. At some of the most financial challenging times in my life, it is some of the greatest peace and closeness with the Lord I have ever experienced. During some of the more abundant times in my life, I find myself distracted much more from the Lord than I should. I just pray that you will benefit today from these words of Paul. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 410. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. I want to say something here, even though it's not really my point today. It's very relevant. Uh, Paul was gracious and humble in his thankfulness to the Philippian church, understanding that they, the Philippian church, were being faithful to him. He was thankful for what they had done to support him. He was not worried about what more they could have done or that they might have been able to do it sooner. He was thankful and content for the generous gifts and effort that the church had made to support him and express their love to him. How do we respond when someone help us, helps us unexpectedly when we have been in need for a while? In the back of our minds, are we thinking sometimes, well, it's about time. You knew I was struggling. So just be thankful without any strings attached. Yes, the Philippians owed Paul in a way for their very salvation. He was the one that taught them about the good news of the saving faith of Jesus Christ. So always be thankful without expectations. Philippians 4.11 Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. There's volumes here in this one little line that we're going to move on and go through the rest of it. Was Paul in a situation where he may have some wants? 
Was he in a place where he was expected to be content? No. He was in a situation where want would have been hard not to dwell on. And contentment would have been next to impossible. He was in a prison in conditions that we cannot grasp or understand. However, Paul gives us the example here of not speaking in want as he is thinking, thinking the Philippians. He is not speaking in fear of want. He was truly content with the little he had, and he was satisfied. He sincerely did not speak from want as he received the gift of the support from the Philippian church. Paul depended solely on the providence of God to provide for him daily. He did not count on the time he spent at the feet of Gamaliel. Although great teaching and learning from the scripture, it would not sustain him in this time of trials. But Paul, what he received from the teaching of Christ did sustain him and fulfill all of his wants. Grace abounds. Paul says in Philippians 1, 21, For me, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he was fulfilled in Christ even in all of his hardships. So how can we relate to this? Paul is expressing his fullness in Christ and his lack of want. Would it have been nice to fill in the blank for Paul? Have a clean drink of water? Maybe a hot plate of lamb chops? A pillow? A bed? Anything. The situation he was in was dire. So you name it. What could Paul have wanted how often do we find ourselves in a situation of want truly want i'm I'm not talking about wants like man i want a new truck or i sure do want some new cabinets that'd be nice or uh, maybe this one that we all can relate to how i do not want to wear this mask anymore (laughs) but are these truly wants we're very blessed in that we live in the richest nation in the world and, and, and are not really, we really don't have any real tangible wants. Um, what, what we can is available to us in some form or fashion. I mean, yes, it would be nice to have some things to be different, true wants, uh, but mostly true wants escape us. I do understand that there are some heartfelt wants. We want our health issue to be better. We want our children to be called to Christ unto himself. These things are in the hands of the one true God, and we must be as Paul and rely completely on Christ. What about contentment? Paul had learned to be content. Contentment is a lesson all of us need to learn. For me, I need to learn the most. Paul was in prison, an innocent man. He had suffered many hardships, rejection, even stoning. But in all of this, he had learned to be content. I believe that this is one of the most important things A person can learn. Being content does not mean quit trying. It does not mean to be full and satisfied. It does not mean you can't have goals. What it means to me is to be still wherever you find yourself. 
to be at ease. And this may seem a little flowery, but it struck me. It's a state of peaceful happiness irrespective of your current condition. Being content is on the road between start and finish. It is neither of the two, but complete in both. It's like sitting on a piece of debris with sharks swimming around you. (laughs) You could be in the water. So I encourage you to be content in whatever circumstance you find yourself. Think of Paul when you start slipping into discontentment. Philippians 4.12 I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. Here Paul is summing it up. He knows how to get along with humble means. And he also knows how to live in prosperity. Yes, Paul has literally lived in poverty and has also lived in riches. But the result of living with both minimal means and riches speaks more to his state of mind considering them both. When you don't have much, you learn how to make do with little, and sometimes that is very little. And the opposite, when you have means to provide you with things over and above your needs. Paul is describing his humility here. He can live either way, poor or rich, because that is not what he finds his fulfillment in. Christ is what his focus is on. Teaching the good news of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is his satisfaction. That is his achievement. His financial situation is irrelevant to his goals of spreading the gospel. So I encourage you to be as Paul. Your financial situation has absolutely nothing to do with your fulfillment in life. Either way, you're working out your salvation. You're being sanctified in abundance or need. And the ultimate goal is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. In other words, in any and every circumstance, we as believers can be filled. Now, I'm not saying that it is always the first thing that comes to mind, but it should follow there shortly after. To be filled and going hungry is a literal statement, but can also be translated to one's prayer life. To be filled with prayer and communing with Christ in prayer is the most satisfying times a believer can have. Going hungry and longing for communion with Christ as you are in a dry spell with your prayer life is a reality for all of us. And we need to persevere through that. Abundance is a dangerous place for some. Paul specifically points this out, that he has learned how to live in abundance. And what does that look like? I would say it would be to be humble and not prideful or boastful about what God has blessed you with. Paul lived in both, literally, poverty and riches. He said, I learned some of the greatest teachings, and yet he was persecuted and imprisoned. Yet he was content. At the deacon meeting Tuesday night, after we broke into groups to pray, 
Mike Trainum reminded us of what his pastor had told him once when he was struggling. And that is that he was probably focusing most of the time and energy on himself instead of Christ. And that if he would flip that and spend his time and energy focusing on Christ and not himself and his struggle, his problem would be resolved. And this is very applicable in today's times that we're in. So in other words, don't let, your, don't let the enemy steal your focus from Christ. Psalms 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul here brings it back full circle. His thankfulness to the Philippian church, his ability to be content, humble, satisfied in any and every circumstance is accredited to Christ. Christ is his rock, his strong tower, his anchor in the storm, his cornerstone of which his every being exists. His ability to persevere in any and every circumstance. Paul does not rely on himself. He does not think that he is the source of his strength and steadfastness. He called upon Christ for it all. As we look at the world events that have taken place in Mitch's lifetime, and some of them were at the time unbelievable and seemingly world-ending. And I believe some of us have fell into that same trap with what the current goings-on are. But based on the list that I read, this is just part of the fallen world, the sinful world. But we have all experienced something very tragic, no matter what our age. So whether it was a world event or something very personal... We have all had moments of what seemed like an overwhelming burden or affliction. The only way to be content in any and every circumstance is in Christ and to follow Christ completely to the best of our ability. I was listening to a sermon the other day, and this struck me as applicable, so I will close with this. In 1 Samuel, where David is fleeing from Saul, he has asked his men to follow him. And not just to follow him, but to follow him into battles and into the unknown wilderness to hide for an undetermined amount of time. I can imagine that maybe some of the conversations between David and his men went something like this. Uh, David, uh, where did you say we were going again? David, over there. Uh, Yeah, okay, but where's over there? Follow me and you'll find out. Uh, Okay, sir, but I didn't really sign up for this. David. Ah, don't worry about it. I've got your back. Oh, okay, but uh, how are we going to get through this? Maybe this is how some of us are feeling in our current situation with everything that is going on. Uh, Lord, where are we going in all this? Jesus, follow me. Uh, Jesus, I really didn't sign up for all of this. And how in the world are we possibly going to get through it? Jesus, from John fifteen five through 8. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, I just um, humbly petition you to um, give us all comfort in you. Father, to draw us close to you through your word, through the preaching of your word. Uh, Father, through fellowship among believers. To take in light what is happening in the world today and to not be worried. Uh, Father, not to be um, downtrodden. But Father, to be content Father, to be satisfied in you, and Father, to know that what you are presenting before us is for your glory. Father, for that we will need to step up. Father, we need to be lights in the world among a very dark place. And Father, I pray that you would give every one of us the strength and endurance and perseverance and wisdom to go forth and spread the gospel. To be as Paul, to be content completely in your word. Father, in your sustaining word in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we just pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.